any of the, you know the, the the children that you've been working with, with who have sort of bloomed out and probably started their own thing um, from since back when you started? Oh, so many, mm-hmm. so many goes back, and they and they're all incredible stories. Mm. Uh, we met one boy last year, Ashley, who was struggling to do his O-levels and he came back um, and so we, we sponsored the O-levels that was the easy part mm. but he came back uh, to do a little display and this kid has a phone, a battered phone, a downloaded app and he basically creates music having never played an instrument. Wow. And he can dance and sing to it. Wow. Um, and you watch these kids like that and you think if you took him into a, a studio like mm. you've got here, these, yeah. these kids would be your yeah. next major mixer of, mm-hmm. of you know the latest album coming yeah. out from someone so they are out there these kids and as much as possible we try to latch on to them and uh, we are starting or we have been starting for the last uh, year mm-hmm. vocational programs where we right. take the kids who show some skill like that mm-hmm. and try and attach them to companies mm-hmm. who can maybe take them to the next level and how does it feel knowing you're behind such a you know a humane cause Oh, I'm, I'm not behind. I'm running behind, if you like, <laughs> these <laughs> incredible yeah. people yeah, I meet. Yeah. Um, I don't really think about that we're just part of it. Mm. So, and I feel very privileged that I get to meet all these people on a daily basis. Definitely. And work with them. Mm. Do you have any challenges um, whilst working with, well, of course you do, uh, but um, how, how has it been in terms of challenges since you started? Um, I think like any organization, uh, you face challenges. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think they've made us stronger. Um, things like uh, the lady that we're raising money at the moment for who's fighting cancer. Mm-hmm. People like that make you realize that, that however big your challenges are, they're mm. never as important as the people yeah. involved in these projects. I mean, she's come through TB and uh, leprosy and HIV, and she's just fought cervical cancer. Mm-hmm. And she gets up every day and comes in and sits with the kids or helps with the teenagers. Or So people like that are an inspiration. Mm. And at the end of the day, make any small challenge that you face mm-hmm. seem like really honestly nothing mm-hmm. in comparison. How, how important is it for people to understand, um, you know, what you're doing, you know, and why it's essential to our society and our community at large? I think when you're a tiny cog, um, we obviously are working with a small community and for us we see the difference on a daily basis. Mm-hmm. My attitude is always, if you want to come and see what we're doing, come and see. Mm-hmm. You know, if you want to know about it, come and have a look. Yeah. It's all very good when it's at Haifa and you see 400 children having fun mm-hmm. at the youth zone. Mm-hmm. That's wonderful. And we get a lot of impact from that. But on a daily basis, if you want to actually get to grips with how much you can change a community, come mm-hmm. and see 50 kids sitting and having a meal. Mm-hmm. And and the, the inspiration that comes from that tiny little session. Mm-hmm. That's what I always say to people. Mm-hmm. It's hard to get to know what we do. Come and see what we do. Yeah. Well, I think people, especially our fellow Capitalkers now, can appreciate um, what you're doing uh, from what you're saying right now. But let's talk about the identification process. How do you identify these communities that you, you, you work with? You, or um, in any way, do you focus on one area or, you know, it's, it's really broad? We, we always try or have tried in the past to focus on one area until we get them at least starting to be sustainable mm-hmm. before we move on to another group. Yeah. The groups came actually um, the other way around. They were support groups that were going to the center that was run by my mother. Yeah. Um, and uh, they were those support groups have still remained strong. And those are the communities that we're working with. So we often get asked to go and work for another community or another support group. Um, and it's just too difficult. Mm-hmm. So I would say if you are asking me for challenges, you can't split yourself into 100 people. Yeah, definitely. We are a tiny trust and we have to work very closely with the group itself. So we have stuck to groups that have been um, already strongly set up. 
and came through the center. So mainly before it was HIV, now they're groups that deal with all sorts of problems. Mm. Um, Undine, what are the activities that these individuals do for income? A huge range, but mainly to do with recycling and reusing. Mm -hmm. So we focused on that in the last 15 years, uh, mainly in the beginning because that was the raw materials that we had. So if we wanted to try and teach a workshop, then those things were free. Mm -hmm. Take a bin bag, drag everything out of it and see what you can do with it. Now, obviously, that's a huge international wave, Mm -hmm. uh, recycling everything, especially plastics. That's a a huge focus we have at the moment. Mm -hmm. Um, Make it a plastic-free Zimbabwe would be great. Um, So we're going that way. But the the idea with the sustainable livelihoods is what can you get access to with very little zessa, obviously, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. around uh, what manual tools can be used. So one of the projects, as an example, is I'm sure everyone knows about waste pickers, Mm -hmm. trying to stop people obviously tearing apart bin bags. You've got a massive collection of plastics, plastic bottles, hard plastics, soft plastics. So what we find in the support groups is you've got a lot of elderly people over the age of 70. Mm -hmm. Um, They can't make their way to one of the bigger collection points Mm -hmm. where they can sell the plastics. What we set up, therefore, is within the support groups, um, whether it's Tafara or whether it's Mbari, um, that they can bring their plastics in and still get the same fair price that they would have if they'd gone further afield. Anyway, um, and then the second arm to that, so they get paid for that, obviously, and then the second arm to that is they can have counselling, they can have a shower, mm-hmm. they can get to know about what else they could do. Mm-hmm. Um, and they also learn what we're doing with the plastics. So we then have teenagers who are learning to now process the plastics, and then the next phase of that is teaching them how to actually make the products that can mm-hmm. be done from recycled plastic. Mm-hmm. So if you just take one tiny item, plastic there's a whole recyclable chain that goes with that mm-hmm. um, which you know makes sustainable livelihoods along the way so they're very small you may be only affecting 10 15 people mm-hmm. but it's sustainable all right um with how you know our country is set up right now you know we're struggling you know we've got um you know a lot of things happening that probably um um are making us to be on the disadvantaged side uh, for now, I hope. Um, I think entrepreneurship is something that is helping a lot of people, you know, come out of their shells, you know, sustain their livelihoods. And how important is it for them, uh, especially these kids that you work with, to understand the importance of entrepreneurship? Huge. I mean, we teach everything from small business, you know, first of all, working out can someone add up two plus two? Because if you're going to teach a small business training, which everyone wants to throw at us, uh, can you actually do the, have, have basic maths? Mm-hmm. So we work, go right back to basics if we need to. But I think you, you use the word disadvantaged, mm-hmm. and uh, I don't think Zimbabwe is disadvantaged. Mm-hmm. Um, in terms of people, we have the incredible ability to make a plan. Definitely. If uh, that's put on my epitaph or my grave, I'll be very proud mm. <laughs> because we do. We've we've gone through you know various waves. I mean, certainly I've been through three or four. You're a lot younger yeah, than me. Yeah. Um, and these kids can have so much abuse going on, so much awful things happening to them. But when you get them into a room and you start talking about a fashion collection or mm. something else, that fades away. You don't see that. They don't have that like they huge oppression somehow. on top of them. Yeah, and they and they, if they're allowed to come out of their bubble, then they just become children Mm. and it's the same with teenagers i think it's breaking down that feeling of being disadvantaged if you have the ability to learn anything something what we are amazing at as zimbabweans is we will pick it up run with it Mm. and we can do it yeah we don't have to actually sit and wallow and go through the machinations of oh could i couldn't i Mm. if you have an idea and someone gives you the ability to actually start then you can run with it Mm. it's all really go it, it goes back to you what can you do what can you do and what can someone help you to learn to do? Mm. And after that, 
you just got to have the energy to run inspiring definitely inspiring now let's talk about um growth you know from an organizational perspective um obviously there's been growth since the way the, the, the time that you started but how is it now and how is the current organizational structure handling growth I think the great thing about our tiny trust is that the growth is external. So in other words, the more people that we manage to have an effect on or help um, to grow and to become their own businesses, then they balloon out, they mushroom. Mm -hmm. If we teach an artist to make a small metal bird that he can then sell internationally, mm -hmm. he on takes on two or three other people to help him do the welding. It's a, it's a very easy um, economical growth, mm -hmm. um, but also a, a strengthening because he becomes a trainer of trainers. So that's how we look at everything we do. If we teach someone to make a tin can um, bag, handbag, little um, box, if they then go on because they get an order of 500 with a corporation here locally in Zimbabwe, they will then teach another five or six kids from their area how to help them. So it's not so much an internal growth of Lynn Francis Trust. Mm. Um, that's not the important growth. It's the external growth of the mm. groups that we work with and watching them mushroom out mm. um, and have an effect on their community because of something that they've learned or something that they're able to sell or to do. Mm. Do you have some of these kids, you know, you know, the, 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 the prosperous ones, the successful ones coming back, you know, to sort of like just give back to, you know, a place where it all started? Absolutely. Mm hmm the the most beautiful thing is actually having some of the older kids who you know they're now adults coming back and being trainers mm. they come back they volunteer even if they're not actually making a huge amount of money themselves yeah. they're willing to volunteer and train other kids train other artists maybe to even do the same product that they're doing mm. and, and that's a huge thing in Zimbabwe Definitely. we really struggle with that handing on of your knowledge because there's always a fear that someone else is going to make the money mm. and you're not mm. and that I've watched in the last five to ten years in our most difficult economic situations that we're in now in Zimbabwe and what we're going through is there's actually more people willing to hand over their knowledge mm. and train someone else to do the same thing they're doing wow fascinating funding well I think it's a it's a very important and essential part of any organization. Um, where does your funding come from? We have absolutely no donor funding at all. Wow. It was a decision I made a long time ago, having watched my mother struggle with mm. donor funding mm. and administration and mm. people having four by fours, but not actually <laughs> doing yeah. the job. Yeah. So I had a huge bugbear about that. Um, so we are not donor funded. Um, the sustainability of it is is that we make products that we sell locally to mm -hmm. corporations. We get them on board um, and internationally to partners who obviously like some of the products. And all the funds that we get from that goes back into the projects. So with the sponsorship of children, we actually go for one-on-one -on -one sponsors, people who want to sponsor a child in school for a year, for a term, uh, so that there isn't this massive pot. It literally is that child is sustainable because they have a sponsor. That's how we've always worked, and hopefully that's how we'll continue to work. Mm. But we do rely on people who want to do a vocational training project, for instance. Yeah. Um, you know, There are costs involved, and if they want to take on the whole project, it's fabulous. Mm. You know, I, we were actually having the same conversation last week with another gentleman, and I, I think it's really exciting where, when you feel like, you know what, we can do this. It might be hard, but somehow, you know, we can carry the weight somehow and we'll find a way to, to make it happen. What I think uh, is, is a disease is the idea that most of the time we want to depend on someone. We want to say someone's going to come and take us. Someone's going to come and help us. Why can't you help yourself? You know, as hard as it may seem, you know, when you do it for yourselves, you've, you've got more experience than someone who's waiting for someone else. Absolutely. Absolutely. That's what I think. 